Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. This episode is my monthly conversation with fellow MVP Norm Young on anything and everything related to collaboration insights and automation. Today we focus on what you need to do to prepare for Microsoft Copilot. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. And my guest today, one of my regulars here, Norm Young, a Microsoft MVP who just got renewed. Congratulations. Woo whoop. Thank you and very much. Of, and, yep, and congratulations it, to you. Thank you to you. Uh, a director of collaborative analytics at Tigraph, which is an ad point company. Welcome. And Great topic today. Our, our focus, of course, is a, we have a monthly conversation, Norm and I, about insights and automation within Microsoft 365. But today, specifically, we're going to talk about preparing for Copilot. What a subject. Copilot an, is Copilot is like everywhere in the news. If you're uh, interested and uh, eager to try out new technology, you're probably like, yourself, Christian, and, and and me, like, I just want to get my hands on Copilot to see what it can do. I've been able to get my hands on ChatGPT, and I've done some great things, but, you know, the, the shine is starting to wear off a bit. But Copilot, Microsoft 365, bringing those large language models together is something exciting, but, you know... Nope, nobody's I, actually touched it, right? No one's actually touched it. Yeah. And uh. I imagine the people who are, like, security-minded, privacy-minded, maybe they're in the affected by GDPR regulations, they probably don't have the same level of enthusiasm that you and I might have over something like Copilot. Yeah, well, there's, I so, I, so one of those things too is like when you see that, I mean, my first question we're looking at getting excited because it demos so well. Mm -hmm. um, but I, then I just, I asked that question of, you know, well, What's the smoke and mirrors? What are the what is the bailing wire that's holding that demo together? What does it actually do? And with anything that is so that is data driven, is like how much massaging and preparation goes into that? Like I always talk about, and I know that like look, it's your world, and and but uh, Power BI is a great example of that. I you know great Power BI demo and how easy it is to build the visualizations mm -hmm. around your data. It's like yeah. I, I always compare it to, so I had a friend who did his master's in uh, music composition and we did a, a, um, a music project for a couple of years together. And I would fly out when I was living in California and he was here in Utah. He did his master's here at Brigham Young and, and ran their digital studios for a couple of years. And, and I was using, uh, he was using at home as his home studio cakewalk. And I would go into stuff that was, so it's one of these music creation platforms, you know, okay. software programs. And he would go set it up and that we, we record all these components and I was a singer and play a little bass and guitar. And we'd put all these things together, do this digital music. And I would go in and do remixes and stuff in Cakewalk. I'm like, Cakewalk is easy. It's a Cakewalk. Yeah. Great name. Not, not so much. <laughs> you realize that he had it finely tuned everything that he set up for me to be able to go in and do play around and build some remixes. Mm. But it was one of those things where not intuitive, 
so much massaging of the data, uh, you know, the samplings and and all the uh, the things, the filters and effects and all of those things. Power BI is kind of similar to that. Like it's very much similar. Um, yeah, we used to have a saying when when I was at my previous employer where any of our uh, data warehouse projects, you know, eighty percent of the time was going to be focused just on scrubbing data, getting data, making it consistent and usable. And the last 20% was going to be visualizing it. This, yeah, the presentation layer at the end, all of the hard work happens before that. That's the easy part. And I suppose that a lot of the preparation for something like Copilot will be like this. It won't be the same. Not everyone has to write a Word document the same way or an email the same way. And it's like these large language models take all of that into consideration. but making that data available, discoverable, has got to be a thing. And so I, I can't help but remember my first exposure to Office 365 back then um, and Delve. Yeah, right. Delve was like that 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 service that uh, was like the front end to the Microsoft Graph. And I was seeing content that I didn't know I had access to. Uh, it was surfacing information that you know my my coworkers were accessing, and we still have that today in Microsoft 365. But that was a bit of a a mind shift to know that it was no longer se secured by obscurity; it was there right. and available. Right. So uh, that same approach to Delve will probably have to be considered for something like Copilot to make sure that. You're just sharing the right amount of information. That that was a pop. That was a, a common refrain with Delve was that well, it's broken or it's or it's it's breaking into it's it's accessing data that's in, that it shouldn't be like no, it's surfacing that you the weaknesses in your security or the lack of security around it. It's your lack of. Uh, of your information architecture, failures of information architecture around your data. It was, uh, you know, in many ways, people too, if you're not aware of this, you know, Delve isn't gone. It just got integrated across Microsoft 365. So yeah. it's all still there. But it, it so it's the exact same issue. Uh, that You and I agree that the with the announcements of Copilot, one of my first thoughts was, it's the whole search dilemma all over again, like with right. Dells, where it's right. going to show people where they lack in their prep. And it's so I I asked the question in Bing in the in its new chat, and it gave two different answers around this, too. Um, so I asked the AI. I didn't go into chat GPT to look at a, a third source here. Um, what do I need to do to prepare for Microsoft Copilot? And that the the Bing AI answer is lacking. It says to prepare for Microsoft Copilot, you can follow these steps. One, get your data in shape. Okay. Okay. Check. Makes sense. Two, get your security in order. Three, explore, <laughs> plan, and experiment, but treat it as organizational change. And four, keep calm. It is coming, but there is time to prepare. Uh, yeah, then it's like an article stuff around. It's like, wow, what a great way to help without actually helping. That's right. Uh, there's a lot of detail behind there. That's lost. So, uh, as you were saying, points one and two, getting your uh, 
in organization organizations information ready getting your security in place uh, first thing that came to mind was just go up that hill and that hill just happens to be mount everest right and you're gonna have to go do up that. and down it twice <laughs> like it's that's, that's not a big ask that's what I, I I just love that you know there there was a this goes back years early days of the internet but you know just like okay how do I go and solve this the, you know uh, how do I this is like how to create it was like a five step process to like uh, uh, as an example to uh, to create a teleportation de- device number one um, invent the scientific uh, as the the science that it's necessary to make teleportation possible. Step two, <laughs> you know, build the device. No, number two was patent your discoveries. Number oh, three, gosh. build a device. Yeah, anyway, so not helpful. No. So one of the things that I've encountered on my journey with Microsoft 365 is that some organizations are, are best suited to let some organic growth and exploration happen. Open it up with its features and, and different services that make sense to the organization at the time when they implement it and, and let the people gravitate towards the tools that they want to use. It's it's hard for IT or a governing body to be prescriptive and always know what users need. That That's so unrealistic. And, and I, I, I can imagine, uh, a small IT group managing Microsoft 365 for the organization, they just have just barely enough time to get their day jobs done, let alone prepping for Copilot. So, you know, they're probably gonna fall into that category where they just turn it off because we don't have time to deal with it. Or they might just leave it open and just see what that organic growth looks like. So what can we do, Christian? What can we do as a, a as a realistic thing to get our information ready to, to like, where would you start? What would be the first thing that you would look at? What would you protect? Yeah, I, I mean, the, well, I mean, that's why where I go back and I look at it and I, there's a, there, I, I realize there's a Microsoft um, blog post out there. Um, I mean, the, the, that, that kind of talks about this. There's a great blog that was done uh, a month and a half ago by Rob Quickenden um called uh, so may 11th uh preparing for microsoft copilot where he goes in and so number one is exactly what we're talking about is is getting your data in shape now what that actually entails um and i think you know the, again the the part two of the ai answer is a little more detail around there so it lists where I would start. So check and refine your SharePoint and Teams lifecycle governance and compliance mm-hmm. policies. So that's, I mean, that's a great place to begin. There's that we could talk for hours just on what that actually means. I mean, this that's my world is SharePoint and Teams governance is like my where I work every day. It's, you know, mm-hmm. what my company does, it's what we, you know, we we all the, the ISV solutions that uh, that help solve for that. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done. So what does that actually mean to if you if you don't have a life cycle around that and the cleanup that needs to happen around teams and SharePoint spaces? Mm-hmm. Um, having governance and 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 regulatory compliance policies, making sure that you are meeting those standards, depending on your industry, the size of the company you are, whatever internal rules around that. So if you 
uh, whether you're doing it manually and God bless you for that effort. Um, the larger you get, the more you need. I'm sorry to yeah. say this. And it's not just the me as a vendor saying this, you need a third party solution for governance yeah. because yeah. there is a dozen plus admin consoles and the larger your organization gets the more complex it is. And anyway, you need help there, but sure. so there's a lot of work around that. Um, there's then going through and looking at, you know, what data do we want accessed by and not accessed by? Like, I think we talked about this last time. Like there's, I saw, I read an article out there um, about how, you know, people are complaining about, like, I don't want my blog content. I've been, I've been blogging on this current site since 2004, thousands of posts that are out there. Mm-hmm. I don't just want the internet scraping my content and adding in other things. And you can go in and block that. You can restrict who has access to that internally, much the same. What do you want to be made accessible? Yes. To that, that's going to be a, a very important consideration. Think of, uh, think of content lifecycle management, like you have content that's in a draft state, not quite ready for official consumption. You have content that is maybe archived and uh, no longer as relevant in the current state that it once was. So do you really want co-pilot and blind trust on the end of the users to start using that that pre and post driven content? So that's a really valid point because you don't you don't want the wrong information floating out there. Worst case is you're you're you know you have uh, two different answers for the same question. We can also, and there's there's legal implications around that some of that too. If you with older data, I mean, again, depending on what industry that you're in. But I just go back to I mean, my first corporate job as a runner for a law firm uh, when I was 19. Um, yeah, yes, I had other jobs. I did fast food. <laughs> I, I I I did landscaping. I did roofing. That kind of stuff. But the, like the first indoor job, um, salary position. Um, but you know, was how strict the rules are and understanding around, you know, like when, when data has expired, when files expired, part of my job was to go and destroy the files, like yep. within a week of that end date, because otherwise it would be subject to legal discovery. Um, and so they were, you know, enforcement seven to 10 years on that. Like, like I just got drilled into my, my head, how important that was to the legal process. And that carried over into the information management world and that right. we're, we've become hoarders and are you going to have the most accurate, uh, uh, you know, data that is created by AI if it's accessing data that's outdated and wrong? Right. Uh, I'd like to think that uh, large organizations, highly regulated organizations probably have a, a high degree of maturity with managing these platforms and I hope they probably have the tooling that we've talked about, like the third party governance tools. They, they, they've already invested in this. They're on that journey. It's, it's the, the other organizations that uh, just want the tool. They, they don't necessarily are going to be professionals in, in managing these things. And they're the ones who could be uh, prime candidates to uh, take advantage of something like copilot for those, those, uh, those automations and those other uh, um, value adds that you get from those different tools that will get exposed uh, to in Microsoft 365. And it's those that I wonder, you know, is this something that's 
going to be overwhelming to ask them to go from like zero level of maturity to just using the tool to all the way to like having you know life cycle management around workspaces teams content like that that's a huge ask but and in those situations i would be more focused on the exceptions govern the yeah. exceptions right find out you know what are your organization's crown jewels and make sure they're secure the way you expect moving on from there to make sure that you're not oversharing um, so you know a lot of the prep for copilot is the same prep that you do along that maturity model of using microsoft 365 yeah and, and there's a lot there people make a, a career out of doing these these types of things in large organizations well it uh, the first thing i likened it to was like if you're going to create uh whether you're a you know, a consultant uh or internally create a new intranet it's the same steps that you're going through you're looking at well we need to examine active directory and make sure the right people are in the right roles and the right mm -hmm. permissions defined for all those things which is another part of fixing search uh yeah. is making sure that it's not just about hey we have all this data and and it's not like it's in one one container there alone and everyone has access no it's different levels like it's security trimmed yep. and copilot is also security trimmed so you'll get responses back on your profile and what you have access to um and i think a lot of that look i think there's there's the basics you're right I, it, it, there's certain things that you definitely need to go and do and get in in place uh and and you can help a lot of that along if you have you know, a provisioning process in place. So to make sure that as new things, net new are being created, that they're automatically have lifecycle management, that they mm -hmm. automatically have the right components and right permissions and kind of all of those, those things. Um, so there's a lot of automation that will help with this. But then there's things that are specific to this. Like uh, again, going to the back to the list is looking out for the release of the semantic index for Copilot starting to test your data there because i think as much as you prepare before you have that you then run scenarios you pilot 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 copilot mm. to to understand like what is it returning and is this what we expected uh, you know are are we seeing any uh, from these working examples as piloting you know is it giving us things that it shouldn't be seeing like test out the your security measures Yes. And I, you know, just saying that you need to test as someone who does a lot of testing for the the work I create, that's like just as hard as developing something. Uh, so I, I hope that Microsoft gives some guidance on on what testing and validation looks like. Mm -hmm. Obviously, every organization's sets of terms, unique business acronyms and so on will, will need to be in the context of that. But a framework for testing and validation would be incredibly valuable for a new disruptive technology like we're seeing here like this is this is going to come in and people are either going to ignore it or they're going to jump on it and the ones that jump on it will maybe have that blind faith that it's right and hmm. uh, well that's that's but, also something for for scary. mvps like you and i is uh, i mean i'm excited to get my hands on it um just so that I can explore all the features and capabilities and put together scenarios and share kind of what if, and hey, 
here's the stuff that you can go and do. It's, I mean, a lot of these tools too, people will do the basics, but won't explore all of the, the, the deeper features uh, of the solution. So I'm excited to, to get in and start to do some of that work. Yeah, agree. Um, I think there's going to be a boon of productivity in, uh, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm on the marketing team here, but post meeting <laughs> reviews, uh, drafting oh. emails, getting caught up on 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 tasks. I think that's where it's personally going to affect me. I don't know how many days, maybe like today, where it's just back to back meetings, and I come into a meeting. I don't think I'm really prepared for every meeting. It's just not enough hours in a day to do that. So to have a recap or all the things that were relevant to that, that's going to be massive. Yeah. Uh, even if you know that. we're seeing this this trend of going back into the office for for a lot of organizations, it's still going to be booked as a team meeting. It's still going to show up as an out, Outlook uh, calendar invite. And if if that collated uh, data helps me get back on track, like that's going to be such an improvement for me. Um, and I and I hope that my my working organization uh, AppPoint will allow it and uh, quick order. And I hope that. Um, other organizations will do that too, but I think it's going to come down to it being successful is if an organization treats it just like they did when Teams first rolled out. You know, there's going to have to be some type of, you know, center of excellence for Copilot, and we're going to have to have that central resource location to know what it means and how to best use it within the the context of an organization. Yeah, the uh, and I was just looking up. Um, I, I'm trying to remember uh, a few years back when you know Microsoft, as they have done for years and years, which they do these future forward-looking videos, and they did one that was actually done. The, there's an animated, but there's also a. Um, they did it live on stage. It might have been Inspire. It might have been been it, it, it build. Um, where they did like the future of meetings. And that's where we saw before we knew of all the hype and all the investment that was being done. This is like five years ago, six years ago when they did this. It was it was a little while back um, where they, maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Maybe it's not because time doesn't mean, is meaningless now to me anyway. I just like COVID wrecked that for me. But the, but was, was everything you're just talking about before a meeting, that it would do the notifications and it would send you a summary of here's what's going to be covered. Here's what you need to do to prepare for this. It, during the meeting, it's capturing the live transcript. It is, uh, uh, you know, all of the artifacts, whether people are sitting in the room, it was aware of where people were, how they're interacting, you know, like capturing all of that and recording that. Following that, it's summarizing the notes. It's creating the tasks auto-assigning those to like it to have that it's not just i i agree with you like the the after a meeting and summarize and capture all that so i can you know one of the complaints of meetings uh we've all been through these in the workplace is that people are in there they're sitting behind you're you're sitting there talking they're typing away on their laptop they're not listening to you they're they're answering emails and other stuff yep. and i've been in those orgs where people there's like laptops down like you, you have to be focused in listening or writing in a notepad around those things. You have the best of both worlds. Like you, you're, you're never going to stop those people that are 
hybrid. So they might be dialing in from someplace and they might be doing something, uh, some other tasks. Although there are tools that can monitor that, like, and, uh, you know, tattle on you uh, for not paying attention. So there are, there are, there is technology that does that. But being able to, to capture those and so that you can be fully engaged in the discussion and not worrying about capturing that note and those those actions you just say it it's like hey as an action i'm going to take this and go and do this thing and then it comes and it's there creates automatically a task it's in the insights christian you agreed to take this task and meet with norm as a next step and do this thing by this date um yeah all of that can be automated that's going to be incredibly powerful and i would argue that it would again making making this point again allow us to focus on the personal interaction right. during the meeting and less on capturing documenting what's there. Yeah, and there's so much rework in meeting takeaways and note taking. Double en double entry, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're lucky, it's only double entry. Right. And then the follow up that goes with that, and that's not smart work dumb work like it's just it's not the best use of anyone's time so to have that automated that's going to be the benefit uh, and th those types of examples and so that's that's what i truly look forward to for copilot for myself i know it's it's popping up in other areas i see it in power platform if i want to create a power automate job i can just describe it and it can make it we're going to see that coming to preview customers or people who sign up for the preview with the power app so that's going to be cool um, and then the new skill set then is is going to know how to ask the right questions or to rephrase those questions for for copilot uh, i don't want to pretend like i'm well informed of what a large language model is and looks like but i i do remember what i've seen in the past with natural query language and you know think of a, a chat bot think of asking power bi a question and if you didn't put in the question the way it's expecting it, you're not going to get an answer back. So this tries to address this. So, But there's still going to be limitations. It's not going to be perfect, which means something like that center of excellence for Copilot or any other technology has got to include the guidance to make sure you're asking the right questions. And we're seeing all of this pop up for ChatGPT and others out on, on GitHub and other open source areas. Like, here's your cheat sheet to, to, to know how to interact. And organizations are going to have to have something similar to be successful. I, I'll, I'll say that I, I had a publisher reach out to me about a week ago um, asking if I was interested in being the, the a, a contributor to or they were actually looking for a lead editor on a book on you know basically how to interact with Copilot. And my first response was, I have no idea. I, I don't have my hands on it. I can't, I would not be able to speak to that. And then I de declined and the editor decided it's like, I don't have the bandwidth to do that. Having participated in six books, like I'm not looking to go sign up for that. It's a lot of work. Um, I said, I'd be, I would love to contribute to this. I said, there's like, well, you have an idea of where I'm like, no, like yes. <laughs> when I, when I have a, a demo, when I can actually touch it, then I'll have something to say is that I realized like I, you know, so anyway, 
there are people that are publishers that are, that are out there. There's people that are signing up for it. I'm wary of anybody publishing content on how to do that. That isn't a Microsoft person that is yeah, part of those teams right now. Agreed. Because we don't know. But there's it's just a great marketing videos at this point from most yeah. users' perspectives. But you know, as one of those great benefits of being a Microsoft MVP is you do get to see some of those demos and. Um, I'm sure any demo I've seen on Copilot is probably available on YouTube at this point, uh, but it is impressive. Well, really there's impressive a great, what it could mean for the future. There is a gr great article that's out there that you had shared it with me. So done by uh, Zachary Cavanell um, on how to get ready for Microsoft 365 Copilot. And reading through, and we've covered a, a few of these, but one of the things that I really like this concept, and again, you know, folks, something to think about and start early on is establishing a center of excellence around it. Yeah, we don't know about, but we need to share the information that we do know and have a conversation, establish that centralized place where we could share our cheat sheets of how to best, you know, structure our queries, uh, you know, to this or or here, here's what we've seen with complex, complex requests to get the best results out of that. We need to share our learning with this. So that model of having a COE, you know, internally and externally participate in community discussions is going to be so important for us because we can collectively learn more, consume more, and improve more on all of this if we're working together collectively. So, yeah. I agree. And it, it comes down to setting your environment up for success success and that is the traditional information workspace site management making sure that you have what governance means to your organization in place as much as your organization is able to do it protecting your crown assets making sure that you have your basics of security containers and other types of controls in place and that will set you up for success with things like copilot and any other apps and service that happens to get released inside of microsoft 365. yep well this and i just realized too scrolling down in the, the article that you sent over this so that's an uh so that's a mechanics uh video so um yeah or, or article i should say and so it, it's a you know, you can find that out on the Microsoft Mechanics blog. Um, and of course, we'll have the links in the notes here for our conversation. Uh, but that's out on YouTube. And and, and they walk through, see the, the, the video that walks through in more detail. Um, so getting information ready to search. Um, the access controls aspect of that, which mm -hmm. is the the formerly known as Azure AD. What is the, is the Entra or whatever that's under? What's the brand? Purview? Entra? I don't know. No, no, I'm, no. I've fallen behind on acronyms. They're renaming Azure AD, which, why? But okay. Anyway, uh, then tools to find info at risk of oversharing, um, getting your prerequisites in place, assigning M365 Copilot licenses, establishing a center of excellence, which I would put at the beginning of that, you know, earlier up in there. Um, so that's a nice walkthrough video. Um, on this as well. Definitely want to check that out. Any any uh, final nuggets on anything that we've not discussed that you kind of count as part of your best practices for preparing data for something like this? Uh, I would go back to those traditional governance 
housekeeping activities where your crown jewels are identified and protected. You have a plan in place for content and asset lifecycle management. And, uh, you know, obviously you're going to have to start budgeting for Copilot if that's going to be a thing because you have to assign those licenses. Yeah, it's a whole nother thing. That's why it's so important that, again, something that, you know, third-party solutions can help keep you uh, in tune with what your actual costs are for the things that you're consuming. Is Microsoft, I know we're not going to get into a licensing discussion here, but as they look at consumption models in a number of different areas, just... Uh, I'm not a huge fan of consumption models because I look at it. I realize, look, there's costs to all this, especially the AI stuff. I get that. Microsoft needs to, you know, it, it capture that. They need to, um, you know, that it, it, it's not free to go. And even there's a cost around the Bing AI mm -hmm. stuff. It's servers, folks, out in that you're yeah. accessing through the cloud. Um, and it's more expensive because of the the or the compute time on sure. these these queries. Sure. Um, but the problem I have with the consumption model is that you're penalizing people for using your technology. That impacts adoption. Yeah, like it, it, I, I'm more of a fan uh, understanding that there is a cost. I like the tiered model versus consumption model. Um, but, you know, anyway, that even that can discourage you know, usage and adoption of that. Right. So, yep. But it's a, I mean, the other thing, the other way I look at this is like uh, SpaceX or NASA is that, you know, right now we're, we're looking at building a rocket to Mars. That's what Copilot is. The reality is that over the next few years, more and more of what you're paying premium services will find their way down into the basic services. So over time, it'll just become part of the baseline services. Right. It'll trickle down. Right. So, so, so that, you know, it, it, it's, it's interesting as you're saying that, because then I'm thinking uh, maybe organizations, when they're considering something like Copilot, they have to consider the right audience to roll this out to. Yeah. Do you give it to the, the senior leaders who are, only in Excel and PDF and do printouts? Probably not. Do you give it to all of their, you know, the real hardcore information workers that you can save an hour or two out of their day with these types of productivity gains? Yeah, I think that's where I'd want to spend the calories. You know, there, there's, um, I mean, again, different model, but like I went back to when I worked for the phone company, Pacific Bell, years ago, and, uh, you know, my primary users of the systems that I helped build and support in the data warehousing world were, you know, they were like the, you know, the data analysts, the data scientists type folks that were, there was a small number of them. There were a couple dozen across the entire company. Uh, and then they would build reports and data sets and things that would then go out to the masses. Right. So, it, you know, that might be an approach. You have people that are the I don't know what you call them, the AI ambassadors, the, 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 you know, the business analysts type yeah. functions, maybe the business analysts yeah. that go and do that, that have that access and can go and query that on behalf of the users. Anyway, I don't know what that looks like. That, that's a, that's why 
We need to get our hands on things, understand right. the features and capabilities. Look at the results uh, of the, the queries and fine tune on the back end, the data massaging to, to like, you know, what does it look like? What's, what are the, you know, how does it generate its recommendations and insights? So how do we then optimize against that until we start seeing that and playing with it and looking at the nuances and understanding the data, we're not going to be able to refine that, which will then inform how we go and we tighten our security, tighten our permissions, clean up the information architecture, all those right, different things. Right, so, right. Absolutely. It, it's an iterative process. Did, Consultants did we, love that. Did we just de define job security for those consultants, Storm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know uh, what? We could be, we could open up a business right now just on Copilot Consulting. You know, my my uh, my first presentation as a SharePoint person when I joined Microsoft and it was the internal uh, event before uh, you know I was at the original SharePoint conferences as an employee. Um, but I did a session uh, that in 2006 on governance in the 2007 SharePoint conference, also on governance. But then I started getting in and talking about information architecture and metadata. And from 2009 forward, that was like governance and information architecture were what I've been talking about and have not stopped. And all of those skills are so critical in this space. Yep, they still apply. Jobs are not going away in that space. Yeah, if I were to start, like, you know, somebody that's asking about starting out in technology today, I would say go and look into a business analyst or data science, either of those two, on the business side or on the, you know, data science side, um, either one of those, you've got a strong future. Absolutely. Interesting talk. It is, Norm. So thank you so much. Always, always interesting. I know it's going to be quieter here over over the summer uh, as Microsoft kind of tools gets ready for the fall. But I, I don't know. There's every month. There's there's stuff to talk about. There's so much that's happening in this space. So I appreciate just uh, the, these conversations, just to kind of clarify my own thinking about what's actually happening and hopefully giving you also some ideas of things to write about, to talk about. and Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me again, Christian. All right. We'll talk to you next month. Take care. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published on most Fridays, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.